0: Welcome back for episode 31 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on May 19th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the infamous owner of a potato internet router, Sane 516 Hello. And next up is the third member of a merry little band, someone who might be pegging me to get more commands in our discord chat currently Steeman willie beeman
1: dude you
2: do not have hail paying in there yet and that is just for redonkulous i do not accept it and it needs to change now
0: we are also joined by two members of an amazing project that has made everyone who looks at the lore within destiny lives a Easier. It is a huge honor to have on the chat Baxter and Forrest from the Ishtar Collective website. How are you guys doing tonight? Hi, good, thanks. You're doing, you're doing well? <laughs>
1: Great. We're not worthy! We are not we're not worthy. worthy! We are
2: not worthy! You can't see me, but I'm bowing and we are not
3: worthy. So only the second guest to get a we're not worthy, by the way. Yeah,
0: that's... That's true, actually. Yeah. Um, as, as many of you probably know, the topic of today's chat is going to be a basic dive into the lore behind the Ishtar Collective. Before we get into that, however, I did want to run through just some quick notes. Our last chat was a discussion over the Warlock class. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other games. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes or through our email, focusfirechat at gmail.com, to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at about 10pm Central, except for this week, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Next week's chat is going to be a discussion over the Reef Wars. Before we start, however, I wanted to give our guests a chance to more fully introduce themselves. So, Baxter, let's start with you. What got you interested in the lore of Destiny, and where can we find you around the internet?
4: Um, Well, uh, I'll answer the the last question first, if that's okay. So, uh, (laughs) I guess a lot of you already know, but um, you can find us at uh, www dot ishtar collective ishtar dash collective dot net um and we're also on twitter at ishtar unfortunately ishtar collective was too long a name to fit on twitter um and yeah what got me well did you say what was my favorite lore or
0: yeah well you know what what got you into the lore and then yeah definitely what what is the what is the favorite lore topic
4: yeah I mean I guess there's there's a lot of there there's there's so many so many topics to choose from um the one that probably got me most interested well the, the very first category that I created on the Ishtar collective was the Ahamkara category um I just wanted to find every instance of you know o Obera mine um but i I, w- I wouldn't really say that the Ahamkara law is my favorite law i do i am really fascinated by it um but for for quite a while now i've been really interested in the maya sundaresh um related stories and the the way that they relate to kind of you know that, that, that there are, there are certain patterns that would that, that are in the maya sundaresh uh, card mm-hmm that relate to other cards that don't necessarily seem a hundred percent related, and that 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 really interests me.
0: Well, I know, I know, one of us has a lot of interest in Maya. Hello.
1: No yeah, we're gonna
2: blue. Come on, you gonna take me off my leash already?
3: No, you really want to do that? No.
2: Yeah, not a good idea yet. Come on now, but I do I have a lot of belief um Maya is a really interesting character for somebody who we don't see and we don't even hear about her in the tower, you yeah. know, or we might hear about her in the tower. And we just don't know it, <laughs> but we'll get into that later. <laughs> Lou stop it
3: this this needs to we need to get back on track here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to mute myself now before I get in trouble. I'll,
0: I'll so wanna apparently hear, uh, apparently in chat we have a hashtag, keep Willy in chains. I think we need to yes. work on phrasing a bit there, but Willy, it's the thought process, chain. right?
2: Wow. <laughs> all right, all right, that okay. so bad. Oh,
1: my
3: God. <laughs> I am not Golgoroth, guys. Calm down. <laughs> so, <laughs> Why wow. don't we move on to our other guests? So,
0: okay, yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. So how about you, Forrest? What made you join in on this crazy adventure and exploring the lore of Destiny? And where can we find you?
5: Um, well, I'm going to blame my husband for that one. Um, I'm not a big um, first-person shooter person. Um, but he was like, this is a really cool story. You should you know, come play with us and, and our friends. And um, he got me hooked on the lore by telling me the story about thorn in the last word, um, which is a great story. Uh, Um, but, (laughs) um, but my favorite, um, lore at the moment, um, I've gotten really into the, I guess the history part. So like all the stories about past guardians, like St. 14 and, um, and kind of what happened before, our guardian comes onto the scene. Um, That's a holdover from my real job. I'm a historian in real life. So uh, it kind of ties in that way.
0: That's pretty awesome.
5: Wow.
2: And those are my favorite parts too. Like, you know, you have the story of St. 14, the story of Kabir, the story of Osiris, the story of Toland, um, the whole first crow to fire team for that matter. Like, all these things that happened before we came are truly amazing, and I would love to see them in a film adaption eventually. Yeah. Rezel. but Oh, God, dude. Yes. Rezel We don't even know about yet, though. But I would love to see that scene from the most recent card where he just destroys the fallen. Like He's like, Ghost, you know what you're going to do. You're going to – all right, spoiler alert. I'm going to go into <laughs> – the The new Resul card. If you haven't read it,
0: (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't read it yet, you know there's a really cool place to go read it.
2: There is, and it is Ishtar. I s h t a r dash. Collective. C o l l e. -E Can I just give dot (laughs)
3: com? Can I give a pro tip? Can I give a pro tip? The dash is key. Dash Natasha is very is key, key, key. Yeah. because there's another website called Ishtar Star Collective. Believe it or is not. Yeah, and I go there every Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> every Wednesday on air, you'll see you'll hear click 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 <resurfaces> click, click, click 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 there it is. Uh, there That's is awesome. and I don't know what they do. I think it's a pharmaceutical company. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
2: the dash. Get the dash uh, in there. exos, they're making exos. It's confirmed. <laughs> but um,
0: they're looking yeah, at Stardash a place dash called Collective. Hyperion. Net. We didn't really know what that meant, but
2: <laughs> but that that Resul card though, man. Like, I mean, when I when I read something like, especially these Grimmar cards, I get that mental picture in my mind, and I just see this Titan covered in fur just going down there, killing as many as he can, dies and his ghost hiding there is just like, oh hey here you go, here's your res and then he just smashes and destroys everything and it just, oh goodness gracious, I need to see that in a film adaption so bad (sighs) and I, I don't think I'm the only one here that feels that way.
0: So as you can tell we get off on tangents pretty easily we're
2: pretty
3: excited.
0: <laughs> we get excited about things.
2: I did not bring up Russell. Okay. I don't yeah, I,
3: I, I Justin for this. I, blame I blame Justin. Justin. Hey, before before <laughs> we move on, before we move on and get down to business, I just have a question for Forrest. Okay. What type of history do you specialize in?
5: Um, American
0: history or
5: American history. Oh. Um <laughs>
0: That gets a live, that gets a thumbs up from Justin. Yeah,
5: um, I live outside of Atlanta, so I I do um, mostly Southern history, antebellum period. Is oh, that's awesome. What I've been doing since a lot I, of Civil War near, stuff near where I work. Yeah,
3: near where uh, I live. So. I love it. I love it. Well, anyways, not to derail us anymore, but I was just curious. Sure.
0: So, and then real quick um, for us, is there anywhere in particular that we can find you on the internet or is, are you just mostly you steal all the control from Baxter from time to time?
5: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so I, I have to say over the past, I was kind of working on the site alone until January. And um, when a bunch of people, um, so that the, the, there's currently like, like, four, maybe five members. Uh, one guy isn't isn't as active. But um there's this there's there's, a, there's four or five of us working on the Ishtar collective now. Um and and Forest for for the past like yeah three or four months I've been mainly focusing on getting a lot of new uh, features built and and fixing bugs and um uh Forest has in that time, just you know, pretty much all of the categories on, on the Ishtar collective, she's either fixed or rewritten or written from scratch. Um so she's 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 a, an an integral part of the Ishtar collective at this point. Well
5: thank
0: you. <laughs> I'm still I'm still honestly amazed that it was one person for the longest time. Or even five. Or yeah, I mean yes. the fact that I mean right. the fact that it's like four or five is still stunning to me for as much information as as that is
1: (laughs)
2: that's where i go anytime i need like flavor text from any armor or weapon um any grimoire card i i always went to ishtar so when people are like what are you talking about i'm like what the what do you mean what am i what what are you talking about (laughs) why do you not know about this right now (laughs) like and then blue comes out of the blue no uh, pun intended. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, by the way, this is ran by one guy, and my jaw sank to the floor. I'm like, There is no blaming way. No blaming way that this is just one guy doing all this. Like, this is an very well articulated website.
0: Well, it has
2: to have at least to- 30. 50 people working on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and to put into, yeah. capitalize on that statement, I mean, just go back and listen to Bife's reaction from, yeah, as exactly. Pins, Pins has pointed out yeah. in the chat. Yeah. I mean, it's like... <laughs>
2: It, yeah. Bife's like, well, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you people
3: not know about this? Like, seriously, It's so amazing, man. I think like,
0: Bife did all his work with like chalkboards and yarn and like pictures. I mean, chalkboards, uh, yes. <laughs> we know that he has a chalkboard. I, I guess I can
2: say that I messed up by revealing my secret, but I regret nothing no. because everybody really needs to know about that website. <laughs> Information is because- power ishtar-collective.net is, or .com. Yeah, yeah, it's .net, right? Yeah. yeah, Yes, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. that's what I thought. And then I corrected myself, and I was like, no, I didn't need to do that. Ishtar-collective.net, seriously, like I've been going there for so long, just because you guys, you, you not only have the grimoire, but you do group up the stories. Like, if you search for Saint-14, yeah. you'll find everything Saint-14. And um like especially Mark of the Beacon thank you for that because <laughs>
3: that is where our lord Here we and go. is born, of course so i do have a question though who actually writes the summaries
4: so um up until about january i was writing the summaries but since then really Forrest has written most if not well i would say at least 90% of the summaries is that is that fair maybe maybe more than that
5: um well i've definitely read over all of them you know and and updated the ones that needed updating um and you know corrected things or changed wording to make things more clear so yeah I, i've pretty much touched on all of them and written a lot of them from scratch
3: yeah those are like some of the best parts of the whole site because you know, all the stuff is there, but sometimes you just get that little paragraph that's got the overview and that's mm. th- those are really well done. Without without speculating too much or or going out and on a limb. Yeah. Baxter, Forks, Forced. I don't ask everybody this, but I do remember tonight to
2: ask you this. How do you feel about paying being a person? Oh, oh Lord my God. Jesus. <laughs> Be as brutally honest as you want. I know you have read the Mark of the Beacon card.
0: (laughs) We're going to start off and put you in a really tight corner and just expect you to figure out your way out of there. Sorry.
2: (laughs) So let's start with Uh, the man himself, Baxter, and let's move to Forrest. So Baxter, yeah, you're on the spot 100
4: I I feel like I should not answer this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a loaded question. I I'm, I'm, uh, am right. I might incriminate right. myself. I will uh
1: yeah. All
2: right, let me do this. Wow. All right. We we all know what the card says. The mark of the beacon card specifically says a singer came to me and said, "You protect me," and yet I do nothing. And I told him to sing, and he understood. Give me an idea of who you think he might have been talking to. Was it a civilian? Was it a guardian?
4: <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, if I, if he, if I was really pushed, I would say that um, he was talking to a civilian. That would be my that's that's my feeling from the so finale. like a bear. Like a bard.
0: A bear? Yeah. A bear. Yeah. A I just heard, I, I I'm totally going to totally be using that in the future.
2: I, I said baird. But yes.
3: Bard. Just like Mrs. I baird? <laughs> I, I I continue to hold that it was Beyonce. But <laughs> Jesus. Uh-oh. Forrest? How about you?
0: How do you feel about it? <laughs> He's like a dog with a bone. <laughs>
5: um. Well, I. I mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that it changes the meaning either way.
4: Hmm. Well, the uh, thing for me is a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> 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 <It was. laughs> It was rather diplomatic. Good point out that Baxter.
0: Uh, so, well, all right. Before we can continue down this path of madness, let's jump on to the topic of tonight's chat.
5: <laughs> no, let's not do that yet. Wait.
2: Force was in the middle of something and you oh,
0: stopped it Lord.
5: And you Oh, Lord. I, I think I think that I, uh, I summed it up pretty nicely and now we can move on.
0: Yes! Okay. Uh,
3: Let's move on. <laughs> what a pain so. in my ass. <laughs> so, let's get-
2: Let's go on to the actual Ishtar Collective on Venus, um, a sprawling golden age scientific project that study all aspects of the Vex. Most of their facilities were located under the Ishtar Academy on Venus. The Ishtar Collective's archives hold a wealth of information about the Vex, including notes on how the Vex mines work, some fractured data about the Black Garden, and even a map of the Vault of Glass. Most recently, references to Pradith have been found. A collective research team consisting of Dr. Shim, Maya Sundares, Chioma Isi, and Dwayne McNida have kept, captured a Vex to study. EC discovered that the Vex running a simulation of the research team that was completely accurate. After much debate, they conclude that only the only way to save themselves from the simulation is to bring in something the Vex cannot simulate, a war mind. They were able to rescue 227 undamaged copies of of themselves from inside the Vex, and all copies voted to become explorers in the Vex Information Network. Both fall. Both the Fallen House of Winter and the Hres- Hesin Corrective, a Vex subtype, have attempted to access the information stored on the archives. A Guardian successfully brought the archives back online, and its information is now available to the Tower. But you can't go to the Tower to Green. Read Grimoire. That's
0: that's all I'm saying. All
5: right. Well, I think I wrote a pretty good summary there, so we're done, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that one. Good. Not
3: much else yeah. to say. <laughs>
2: it, exactly. You know, um, you know that all these famous, especially like when you've been playing since Vanilla, you have this Doctor Shim, and your ghost is like, "Oh, don't worry about that." You're like, "No, I am worried about that." Who the hell is Dr. Shim? Yeah. And awesome. you end up finding out later on this dude's a total blamhole. <laughs> and, uh. <laughs>
0: wow. New it's words. a little true. Yeah, well,
3: he's. Yeah, awesome. it, Well,
2: no, I mean, he is cool. Okay, I, I do like the character of, Sh- of Shim, but he's very. He's blunt. You know, he, he's really to the point, which we'll find crass. out as we read. Yeah, you know, he's just like, okay, this is what I feel about this, let's move on and we'll get into that later, I suppose.
0: Yes. So to jump, you know, jump into the grimoire a little bit. You know, there's there's a few cards that that point I think, you know, force correct me here if I'm wrong, but these there are a few cards who point directly to this summary. And I tried I tried to do justice to your summary by calling out all the cards that I think you were pulling from for them as well. So let I me linked- know if I missed any, because I probably did.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried to link to as many as I could. Um, and so if you pull up the page, you can see like
1: mm-hmm.
5: that I, I linked to some of them and things like that. But anyway, um, sure, sure. Shall we start with the first card? Yeah. Okay. A Stranger's Call. The Ishtar Collective studied the Vex with all the instruments and power of the Golden Age, and we must understand the Vex if we are to survive. There are tales of the Black Garden and the darkness that lives at its heart. If this is where the Vex are born, then finding it is of the utmost importance. The Speaker.
0: Ah, I like that one. I, th- I think that, that one really is where a lot of people get the base information from it, even though certain individuals don't trust it because of who is saying it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> we can't start making questions like that because then the whole thing kind of falls <laughs> apart.
0: Then the whole then the whole crazy ball of yarn starts unraveling. <laughs> yeah. So.
3: With that having said that, I'd like to move on to the Ishtar Sink. The Ishtar Sink, and I just realized that if I completely screw this up, the person who wrote it is in the Skype call with me, and now. Yep. Yep. uh, Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No. the, The Ishtar Sink region looms large in our surviving knowledge of Venus. Guardians come hunting the ruins of the legendary Ishtar Collective, a sprawling Golden Age scientific project. But the ancient ruins that brought the Collective to the sink have awakened again. We aren't the only ones interested in the Collective. The Fallen House of Winter has hurled its assets into pillaging the ruins, hunting for some advantage. Whether from the Golden Age or forgotten times beyond... The House of Winter's presence includes constant skiff overflights in support of the ground teams and hints of an improvised command post or staging area in the volcanic cinders. The situation is degrading into a race against time. We must claim the Collective's ruins for our own or hope they will warn us what other threats now rise from Venus's acid seas and ancient stone. Nailed it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I think the the reason why we included this one is that this was actually a topic that we'll get into a little bit later that was in the chat, was actually kind of focusing on the question of what exactly did the House of Winter, what was their interest in it? With that being said, we want to jump into the really fun card. Oh, yeah. The Ghost Fragment yeah. for the Ishtar Sync.
4: Yeah. So this is me, I guess, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So... Ghost Fragment Ishtar Sink The box appears to be copper The red lid is dented One hinge shattered Inside waits a small quantity of the finest, driest powder More brown than grey, more blue than green The greatest minds in creation make quick work of the material The powder is weighed by the grain And studied close and remembered One hundred billion bits of near nothing reside inside the copper box, all of them tiny and nearly spherical, all etched with the outline of continents and islands and ice caps. Each sphere represents a planet, and some of these tiny globes match known worlds. There is one Earth and one Mars, and a Venus too. The box holds renderings of every habitable world in the galaxy. One of them offers a simple explanation. The box is a message. The message is the minuscule nature of the box's cargo. It's the image of 100 billion worlds barely fitting two hands, barely filling two hands. But if so, who is delivering this message? What vastness do they wish to impress upon us? Is it a warning or an invitation or a taunt?
0: And the chat had a field day with this <laughs> as many people have. In, yep. So it, I I love this card. Like this card is so much fun. And we'll we'll get into the the chat's interpretation of it. I think there was a bit of a debate on exactly mm-hmm. what the message was. As I can I, as most people can imagine.
2: Yeah well, I think I mean, most people that read the card and get to it like that, like you're going to debate on it.
0: Nobody's right? Right. Agree. Well, well, I mean, it, some people are
2: going to agree,
1: but
0: you know, right. And I think it also depends on the context that you read it in too. Right. I mean, because I think that's in the chat, at least that's where, you know, I came at it with a bit of a different context. And then, um, then I can't remember who it was that we were chatting, but you know, there is talking about how it was, a, a warning and how they were talking about domination and it was like, well, and I read it as kind of it was an indication of knowledge like this is this is how small everything is, and how easily knowledgeable something is and you know it could be viewed as a f as a form of domination, but it also could be viewed of this is how much we know about everything is we know enough to etch these indi- like the, i mean the grains of the powder. That's how big each of these things is, and that's that much information stored within a a single box.
2: Yeah, and I see that blue, but I also see it at the same time as a uh, more of a cryptic warning. Like, right. hey, you, just so you know, you can be squashed like that, like a grain of sand. You can just be nothing for the most part. You are nothing you know, is how I view that card.
0: Well, and that also, but it also brings to mind the common, you know, quote that you see from the astronauts who, you know, walked on the moon and how they look back at the earth and they realize just how, how petty and how small the world politics, you know, and the, the disagreements of the world politics is in the scope of the galaxy. You look at the planet and then you look at, you know, the entire span of just the solar system around it, and you realize, yeah, these disagreements really, really aren't. You know, it's it's a sense of what seems like a huge deal to us is not actually a huge deal. It's just a very, 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 very small piece of a very enormous picture. And that's kind of how I read it, is it's kind of like a, yeah, you think you're the center of the world, or the center of the universe, yeah. but really... You're just, you're just a speck on the grain of a on a grain of sand. So
3: it's all just scope and scale. Right. Right. Pretty much what it is. I'm always reminded of the, this is going to be really cheesy, but the, the ending of the first men in black movie where at the end, (laughs) I think there's aliens playing marbles and then the marbles turn out (laughs) that they're actual planets. Right. Right. Um,
0: which I, know I don't know why old. I always think about that. Well, we talked about that in chat too. No, the, the
2: marbles weren't only planets; they were actually entire oh, galaxies.
3: They were, yeah, they were galaxies. That's correct.
2: And um, yeah, I think we did bring that up in chat because that's what it reminded me of too. Justin is like, you know, that that Men in Black moment where it's like, oh hey, by the way, that galaxy that the cat's wearing—that's super important. It's tiny. But then there's your world, and then there's all these worlds, and then there's the rest of the galaxy, and
3: it is an alien's plaything.
0: Yeah. Inside a locker box.
3: Yeah, sorry, because I just had like, the Men in Black song going in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't so, help myself. I can't sing on on chat.
2: <laughs> it's okay. no, I'll drive no, you everybody can't. everybody away.
0: Well, okay. and so with all that being said, though, we also do know four. Members of the collective, or I guess the academy, or yeah. So we know four of those names, and four. Those four are the team of scientists that have kind of been tasked with the the competing with a vex mind, basically, and that can be found in the ghost fragments vex uh, one through five. And so the first one is, I'll take that one. It says ghost fragment. I'll say real. Okay, go for real quick.
2: One through four is that battle.
0: Yes, oh, The fifth correct.
2: one is, is kind of aftermath. A
0: conclusion of the aftermath, yeah. Yeah, true.
2: And, and we'll find that out. Blue, take it away, brother.
0: So, from the records of the Ishtar Collective. Essie, Maya, I need your help. I don't know how to fix this. Sundaresh, what is it? Chioma, sit. Tell me. I figured out what is happening inside the specimen. Twelve? The operational VEX platform? That's incredible. You must know this means, ah, so it's not good or you'd be on my side of the desk. And it's not urgent or you'd already evacuated the site. Which means, I have a working interface with the specimen's internal environment. I can see what it's thinking. In a metaphorical terms, of course. The cognitive architectures are so, I, I don't need any type of estimanology bridge. Are you telling me it's human? A human Merkwelt? Human Qualia? I'm telling you it's full of humans. It's thinking about us. About oh no. It's simulating us vividly, elaborately. It's running a spectacularly high fidelity model of the collective research team studying a captive Vex entity. How deep does it go? Right now the simulated Maya Sundaresh is meeting with the simulated Shioma Essi to discuss an unexpected problem. There's no divergence? That's impossible. It doesn't have enough information. It inferred. It works from what it seems, and it infers the rest. I know that feels unlikely, but it, it obviously has capabilities we don't. It may have breached our shared virtual workspace. The neural links could have given it data. The simulations have interiority, subjectivity. I can't know that until I look more closely, but they, they act like us. We're inside it. By any reasonable philosophical standard, we are inside that Vex. Unless you take a particularly ruthless approach to the problem of causal forks, yeah, they are us. Call a team meeting. The other you has too. So, the kind of the <laughs> setup of a bit of a dilemma. <laughs> and I think, you know, Willie, I'll let you kind of take a nod on this one here, because this was a conversation I think you had about where the artifact specimen 12 actually kind of connects in here too. If you wanted to, did you want to expand on that one? Cause I think I, I don't, I don't know how much of a detailed conversation it was, but I know that.
2: I actually didn't throw much into that. Um, beast through more, I want to say it was, it was Coed that drew mo- more into it than I did, but I did point out the fact that they say in that card that you just read that it's Specimen 12, and we do indeed have a Specimen 12 um, artifact, and that artifact does say that it is running hot with the simulations of 227 um. Oh God! Now I gotta look at the specific card. Now,
3: <laughs> see, blue. Yeah. You see what oh, you made me no, do? No, running hot with simulating not one, guy. but two hundred twenty-seven yeah, scientists. Running
0: hot with the effort of simulating not one group of scientists, but two hundred twenty-seven. <laughs>
3: yes. Yeah, and
2: you know that that is definitely a direct nod to the first vex frag ghost fragment. Um, which we first learn about Maya because, no, wait, did Cade's journal come out before or after these cards came out? I want to say it was after. Uh, Yeah, it was after. 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 Okay. Because, you know, you learn about this, the scientist Maya Sunderish, and we end up learning so much more about her as the cards go on.
0: But not enough. Uh, and not enough, also, not not. Enough. <laughs> we know that she likes keeping records.
3: Yes. Well, she's a very diligent scientist, and that's part of the process.
0: Right. And um, uh just real quick, Coed in chat is pointing out that this is also possibly taking place at campus nine, which is a location in game that we all have interacted with. So
3: wait. What number was that? Nine. After okay. Just That'll that'll be important later. Oh, um, Jesus. <laughs> no, I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to to get on the level with everybody. There were two words that I had to define, to had to look up. Congratulations on being very well read. The first was Merkwelt, um, which I actually don't feel bad for having to look that one up. Um, so Merkwelt is German. And it means way of viewing the world, and it or a a peculiar individual consciousness, and it's it's primarily a robotics concept that describes a creature or android's capacity to view things and to manipulate information. So that's that's what that means. I had no idea what a Merkwelt was. Um, and then the other was qualia. Um and uh I'm sorry. In philosophy, qualia are what some consider to be individual instances of subjective conscious experience. So when they say that the simulations have subjectivity and interiority, this is what it's actually referring to. That inside the inside the simulation, everything's subjective, so it's as real as in the real world. It's if it were truly just a regular simulation, whenever it wasn't being viewed, it wouldn't exist. Right. So uh, those, those are my two,
0: my two words. And I know we had a conversation on exactly what that indicates as far as the advancement of the sciences as well, because at the moment qualia is kind of in debate I believe if I remember that correctly.
3: Oh, as far as a philosophical mm-hmm. concept? Yeah.
0: Okay. As far as the concept is concerned. So Yeah. I'm no philosophizer. No philosophizer. <laughs> so let's let's go to the second ghost fragment.
2: Ghost Fragment Vex 2 from the Re- records of the Ishtar collective. Sandresh. So That's the situation as we know it. Easy, to the best of my understanding. Shim, well, I'll be a profane profanity. This is extremely profane. This thing has us over a barrel. Sunderish. yeah, we're in a difficult position. Dwayne McNida, I don't understand. So it's simulating us? It? made virtual copies of us how does it that give it power easy it controls a simulation it can hurt our simulated selves we wouldn't feel the pain but rationally speaking we have to treat an identical copy's agony as identical to our own sunderesh it's god in there it can simulate our torment forever. If we don't let it go, it'll put us through hell. Dwayne McNida. We have no causal connection to the mind state of those Sims. They aren't us. Just copies. We have no obligation to them. Nisi, you, you can't seriously... Your own self. Shim. Profane idiot. Think. Think. If it can run one simulation, maybe it can run more than one. And there will er- only ever be one reality. Play the odds. Dwayne McNitive. who Uh-oh. Shim. Odds are That we aren't our own originals. Odds are that we exist in one of the VEX simulations right now. Easy. I didn't think of that. Sunderish, Indistinct percussive sound. So, Maya probably passed out right there. Is what I get from the indistinct percussive
0: sound. Or or she's like beating her head (sighs) on the desk.
2: Yeah, she she might be she's head desking. She,
0: she's, she's pulling, pulling pens. a
2: pence. <laughs> but you you get from that card that, you know, and Dwayne, I think, is the most sensible from my stand from my point of view. He's like, dude, they're
0: just they're they're just simulations, who cares? Well he's and the then most, Shim Yeah, he's the most pragmatic
2: Shim hits him with the blam. Like he, yeah. he blams it up in that card.
4: Um, But I I think it's it's really interesting because I actually – so there was a a, a guy in 2002, this guy called – I don't know if if you know this already, but this guy called Nick Bostrom Mm -hmm. wrote a paper, Are You Living in a Computer Simulation? Mm -hmm. And uh, the paper basically said that that, um, if at some point in the future – our our descendants are advanced enough that they can run a simulation of the universe, then the chances are that they are able to run more than one simulation of the universe. And if it's an accurate simulation of the entire universe, then the chances are that we are in one of those simulations. It's it's a very similar um, kind of situation that that this guy describes. Um, And that's led to a lot of discussion about, you know, is, is that actually possible? Is it real? You know, there's a lot of people that have researched, are we living inside of a, of, a, of a simulation? How would we construct a test to determine if we're inside a simulation? And there's actually this really great short story that I read a few years ago called, um, the, the title of the story is, I don't know, Timmy, being God is a big responsibility. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and it's a fantastic, uh, I guess I can, I can give you the link afterwards, but it's a fantastic little short story about two researchers who um, end up building a simulation of the universe and the, the, the kind of the implications of doing that. And so having, having read that short story, when I started reading the, the VEX cards, immediately I was on Dr. Shim's side and I thought that um, Dwayne was kind of like, I, I was like, yeah, you haven't thought this through. This is that the chances are that if you're, you know, if you're having these thoughts, you know, you, you might not be the real Dwayne. You could be the simulated Dwayne who is saying, yeah, we should just we should just kill the simulations,
0: right? Yeah. Well, and it also reminds me of pretty a lot of uh, Philip K. Dick's short stories about androids. Yeah. You yeah, know, definitely. Do Androids Dream of Electronic Sheep? Um is the one that most people will recognize as, you know, it's the basis of Blade Runner. And he always toys with that. He kind of toys with the opposite side of the fact. Um, you know, we're talking about humans inside a simulation. He talks about androids realizing that they're not human most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um there's always one that I, I can never remember. The title of it but it's it's the it's a story about an android coming to realization that it's not a human and that realization uh triggers a, a nuclear device inside of it and destroys the planet and it's a really it's a really really short. i mean it's like all his all his stories are extremely short if you haven't read yeah. any of his stuff go it fix sounds like it. A go story. fix that right now <laughs> but
3: um no i was gonna say uh if Reality is just a program executing laws, which, I mean, technically, by the strictest of definitions, it kind of is. Would it really matter if we were?
0: Um, it, well, you know, go for it, Baxter.
4: Oh, I was going to say it wouldn't to us.
3: Really. Yeah, exactly to us because we are everything's subjective to us inside our little mm-hmm. reality.
4: But but one of the interesting situations is that let's say you created a sim a simulation of the universe. And you have it running on a on a computer, and then you have the simulation running. And you say, right, well, I can see that there are all people inside the simulation, and they think that they're the original copies. Uh, but I have to go home now, so I'm going to switch the computer off. Right, is that right? Ha, are you just killing billions of people by switching the computer off? Yeah. And then that- you know, if, if you make a change to the simulation in some way that either positively or negatively affects the, the, the simulated versions of people inside there. If they're accurate simulations, I mean, wh- I guess it gets down to the fact of what, what makes us human. If what makes us human is a bunch of chemical and electrical signals in our brains, um, then if you simulate physics accurately, you know, th- th- those simulations are just as real as we are.
0: Right. And that's why it reminds me of, you know, Asim- well, Asimov is obviously the, yeah, yeah. the huge the huge one that most people recognize <laughs> for Android. But I mean Philip K. Dick, um, Heinlein even had a couple short stories. I know Justin's gonna love my <laughs> recognition of that one. <laughs> but you know, like pretty much all all science fiction writers at some point have a dealing with that with that issue. And we talked about it a little bit with the exos. You know because you know what makes the exos what makes them worth considering as a sentient life, and it's obviously that in in destiny's universe it's been defined as you know the exos are are that are are not necessarily human but they're sentient life that is needed to be valued as life as such, and so that's kind of where this this also kind of points to that too is. You know, we'll talk about this a little bit later with the Ishtar Collective and its connections to um, the Exo creation. But it's, uh, it might be that this is also where that recognition of this is what, you know, defines life as being defend or life. <laughs> the, the scientists are kind of pro-life in a sense in the way that you have to... You have to recognize that all life has value, right, and if you recognize that, then morally you have to protect all life and so that's kind of where I read in this card is kind of their realization of yeah coed and chats throwing that out here, but you have to decide what you consider real and then mm-hmm. once you once you make that decision, then obviously you just have to you know then the the decision just roll the kind the consequences of that decision start to build and so the consequence of this decision is they recognize that you know the moral quandary of this card is the realization that oh well there's a high chance we are not the quote-unquote real scientist Mm. Mm
3: -hmm. can i just say that these are some of the best written cards in the grimoire in my opinion (laughs) I just I love him so much. And the genius of this card in particular is, and I don't know if anyone else had this experience, but I had the realization right along with uh Dwayne McNida. I was like, big deal. So they simulate things. That's what they do. They're robots. <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden it just washes over me. At the same time, I'm sure it washes over him in the card. And I'm just like I'll be a profane profanity. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's just so well written. Just <laughs> I was there. I was there with you, Justin. Exactly. Like when they
2: when they finally said like, well, what if we're what if we're just simulations and you know, the we're not the real us. And Dwayne's just like well, profanity. Nah. <laughs> like he, he he he's just like, well, man, Shims right? We should be cussing <laughs> all over the place <laughs> because why not at this point? So. But um, I've got quite a few more cards to go all through. Right. Let's
0: let's jump yeah. into Vex three. That's me. Yes, ma'am.
5: I have a plan. If you have a plan, then so does your sim and the Vex knows about it. Does it matter? If we're in Vex hell right now, there's nothing we can stop talking about real and unreal. All realities are programs executing laws. Subjectivity is all that matters. We have to act as if we're in the real universe, not one simulated by the specimen. Otherwise, we might as well give up. Your sim self? is saying the same thing. Keoma, love, please hush. It doesn't help. Maybe the simulations are just billboards. Maybe they don't have to have interiority. It's bluffing. I wish someone would simulate you shutting up. If we're sims, we exist in the pocket of the universe that the Vex specimen is able to simulate with its onboard brain power. If we're real, we need to get outside that bubble. We call for help. That's for Right, we bring in someone smarter than the specimen, someone too big to simulate and predict, a war mind. In the real world, the war mind will be able to behave in ways the Vex can't simulate. It's too smart. The war mind may be able to get into the Vex and rescue us. If we try, won't the Vex torture us for eternity or just erase us? It may simply erase us, but I feel that's preferable to the alternatives. I agree. Once we try to make the call, the Vex may react. So let's all savor this last moment of stability. Indistinct sounds. You two are adorable. I wish I'd taken that job at Clovis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Shim's personality begins to reveal itself even more. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: and so does Dwayne, so. Right. Like you know, you you start to hear Dwayne. Like man, I should have, I could have worked at Clovis, not is, dealt with all this. But is
3: Dwayne? I'm here right now. Is Dwayne Bill Paxton? <laughs> this is game over, man. Game <laughs> over. Should have taken the job at Clovis. Bull <laughs> crap, man. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> that's
2: that's what it feels like when you read this card. Like, you know, Dwayne's
3: like, oh, man, not a good idea, man. Should have done this, man. (laughs) But Forrest said, I have a plan. And I was like, does it include reading the card? I forgot this card started out, I have a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Let's read the card. I have a plan. Good. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I love this one because – this just, to me, right there just proves, it's proof positive how brilliant Maya my, my Sunaresh is, was. Because they're all scientists and they're all, they're all working for the Ishtar Collective. So they're all, you know, more than likely at the top of their field. But Maya Sunaresh was just next level uh, genius to come up with this plan. At least in my opinion. My Soon Rich Fan Club. My um, Soon Rich
1: Fan Club. <laughs> from that
2: card p- specifically, what I got from it was: um, it's going down. It's getting real. Even if we don't feel like that's us, we might not be us. Mm-hmm. So let's play it safe. And. Once again, like what you pointed out, Justin, the, the the focal point is Maya, really, right here. Like it seems to be more from her point of view than it does from the others. And we're gonna find out the fate of that real soon.
0: Right. I and believe. I think the other the other thing that Vex three really kind of brings to the table is that the different types of personalities of the each, each of these individual scientists, you know, which you kind of, we kind of were talking about that a little bit, but like Maya is more focused on finding a fix to the situation, even if it's a simple fix. Whereas, you know, Chioma and Dwayne are kind of like, they kind of balk when the pressure gets put on Dwayne, especially. And, but then there's Shim who's just kind of like, I don't, I don't I don't even know what to call his his personal personality other than just crass and just, <laughs> just like in your face, like uh just figure it out. Like it's but I think that's the kind of the cool thing about this the third card is that it really kind yeah, of cool. it personalizes each of each of the individual scientists. Yeah.
4: And, I and I, agree I do think I do think uh, I wish someone would simulate you shutting up yes. <laughs> is probably the best burn in the entire Grimoire. It's just fantastic. Yeah, it is a really great burn.
5: Like, yes, like
4: that really Shim
2: needs to be a meme. Shim man, man.
5: <laughs> like... reminds me of an old tenured professor. Like, yes. yeah, I can't yes. deal with you kids anymore. <laughs>
3: yes, <laughs> he is awesome. Shim is. So I, I can't disagree there. Like uh, <laughs>
2: Doctor Shim is so amazing.
3: <laughs>
2: like, and you really get like when you first play Destiny. If you played since the beginning, it's like, okay, who the hell is Doctor Shim? And then they release these cards where you learn Doctor Shim's actually a he's pretty. Awesome. Like he he just he's to the point. Yeah, he uses <laughs> profanity to get his point across, but that doesn't make him a bad person. He he he's still
5: sometimes it's necessary. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Exactly. He, exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. He's right to the point. Like, man this lamb is going downhill (laughs) so
3: is shim a bit of a nihilist he he does seem like it yeah
2: that's a little strong
0: i I, I think i I wouldn't
2: yeah i wouldn't call him a nihilist exactly but he does have kind of a a cynic
0: point of view it seems i mean i don't because realize that I mean nihilism is, you know, the belief that life is meaningless. So yeah. I would <laughs> I would hesitate to say that Shim is a nihilist, but he definitely is a skeptic. And he's got a right he's on. got yes. a very strong cynic cynicism and pessimism. But yeah, I think Forrest hit the nail on the head. I think he's the <laughs> as Pins Pins just tossed that in chat too. He's the crusty old professor who's just tired of yeah. the whippersnappers. Yeah. So
4: what? I think there's an element as well of the fact that, especially, you know, I, I don't know if Dwayne's maybe uh, a more junior kind of uh, mm. researcher, but in the previous card when Dwayne's like, "Oh, everything will be fine," and Shims like, "Think, think, what you haven't, what are you doing?" It's you, you kind of get that impression that he that he's like,
0: he's like, he's
4: used to he's used to being a st- Shims used to kind of having thought everything through, and he just expects everybody else to have done the same.
0: Well, it's kind of like Dwayne might be his his like lab assistant. Could be, yeah, you yeah. Know, in whereas, time. whereas I don't know really. I and mean, there is a there is a bit of conversation about which one of the four was kind of the quote unquote you know team lead. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people kind of fall into camp of either Chioma or Maya, but mm. Dwayne definitely was not that. <laughs> so he definitely was not in the not running. a candidate. He was not a candidate for that position. And I think that I think that stems mostly from the the second card in this card. You know, just exactly what you're saying is like Shims. Shims almost kind of like it's like he's an aggressive drill sergeant that's coaching him into you know pushing that understanding of what exactly yeah. they're looking at. Definitely.
4: And one thing I want to point out is as well, um, when Dwayne says maybe the simulations are just billboards, maybe they don't have interiority. It's bluffing. I thought that was a really interesting line because um, it kind of relates to the Turing tests. Mm-hmm. in that we, we don't, if, if we're talking to another human being, we can't see into their brain and check that they're actually a human. Right. We just, we can only ask them questions and see how they behave and based on their answers and their behavior, we in our, in our heads kind of build up a model of that other person and decide whether or not they're a human. Um, You know, if you, if you have a really, I know that there's some examples of like bots that have successfully chatted to people over the internet for,
0: you know, I'm trying to um, to find one right now.
3: Do you know what it's like? It's like when someone makes a voicemail message that tries to trick you into thinking (laughs) that they're answering the phone (laughs) and you keep asking questions, trying to prove it's not a person. That's what it's exactly like. You are. That's exactly what it's like. Definitely. (laughs) At some point, you hit a critical mass of questions. At which point, (laughs) it can't.
0: So, so just for the record, Justin just dumbed down the Turing test (laughs) to a voicemail
3: comparison. I love it. It's what I do.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. So like chatterbots. Chatterbots are the ones that you know are Mm -hmm. usually turing question are able to pass simple oh my gosh okay before we go further down that conversation rabbit hole right (laughs) you want to tackle uh what are we vex for at the moment
3: yeah and uh vex four is a really good one actually because it further kind of lays out a little bit of the group structure and it also gives us our little farewell uh if i'm not mistaken i think this is the last time we see them all together and it's a huge one. So here we go. Maya, Chioma, Dwayne McNida, and Shim decide to have a picnic before they send themselves into infinity. Up here they have to act by biomechanical proxy. No human being in the Ishtar Academy has ever crossed the safety cordon and watched and walked the ancient stone under the citadel. The Vex construct that stabs up out of the world to injure space and time. It's not safe. The cellular VEX elements are infectious, hallucinogenic, and entheogenic. The informational VEX elements are more dangerous yet, and there could be semiotic hazards b- beyond them aggressive ideas, VEX who exist without a substrate. Even now, operating remote bodies by neural link, the team's thoughts are relayed through Warmind, who saved them, sandboxed, and scrubbed for hazards. Their real bodies are safe in the academy. Pressed close, huddled in awe, blue-green light, like the color of the ancient sea, washes over them. Each of their explorer bodies carries a slim computer. Inside, 227 copies of their own minds wait. Patient and pause for dispersal. I wonder where it came from, Dwayne McNatus says. Of course, he's the one to break the reverent silence. The Citadel... I wonder if it was here before the Traveler changed Venus. It could have been latent, Chioma Essie suggests. She's the leader. She kept them together when it seemed like they faced actual eternal torture. She pulled them through, seated in the crust, waited for a period of geological quiescence so it could grow. Dr. Shim shrugs. I think the Traveler did something paracausal to Venus, something that cut across space and time. The the Citadel seems to come from the past of a different Venus than our own. It doesn't have to make any sense by our logic, any more than the moon's new gravity. Maya Sundaresh walks at the center of the group. She's been too quiet lately. What happened to them wasn't her fault, and maybe she'll believe that soon. What could you do with it, she murmurs, staring up, if you understood it. Chioma puts an arm around her. That's what we're going to find out where the Citadel can send us, whether we can come back. They're not us anymore, Maya looks down at herself, at the cache of herself forks We're not going anywhere. We're sending them. They're diverging. They rescued themselves from the inside of a Vex mine, 227 copies of themselves, untortured and undamaged. Those copies voted all, unanimously, to be dispatched into the Vex information network as explorers. When Maya and Chioma look at each other, they can tell they're each wondering the same thing. How many of them will stay together, wherever they go? How many Fork Mayas and Fork Chiomas will fall out of love? How many will end up bereft, grieving? How many will be happy like them? Chioma tries a little smile. Maya smiles back, hauntingly. Then, sighing, unable to stop herself... Grins a big, stupid grin, and everything is okay. Grin, Shim makes a loud, obnoxious "aw" at them. Dwayne McNight is still thinking about paracausality and doesn't <laughs> notice. <laughs> Sorry. Um, they climb when they find the vex aperture. They plan to use. They overlay the luminous stone with an ancient, an ancient brassy machines with images of the sun and sand. They set up the transmitters and interfaces that will translate 227 simulations of the four of them into VEX language, into the tangled pathways of the VEX network, to see what's out there, and maybe come home. In the metaphor they've chosen, setting up the equipment is like laying out the picnic. In the metaphor they've chosen, they look like themselves, not hardened explorer proxies. They look like people. Do you think, Dwayne McNighty begins, haltingly, that you could use this place to change things? If you regretted something, could you find a way through the Citadel to go back and change it? I wish I could go back and change you into someone else, Dr. Shim grouses. Geoma's shaking her head. She knows physics. Time is self-consistent, she says. Back and watch something or be part of something, but if you did, then that was the way that it always happened. Maybe you could bring something back to now, something you needed, Maya runs a hand across the surface of the VEX aperture, feeling it with sensors 10,000 10, times as precise as a human hand. These proxy bodies are limited. They struggle with latency. They can't hold much long-term memory. But they'll get better. Or go forward and learn something vital. If you knew how to control it, how to navigate across space and time. So it's just a way to make everything more complicated, Dwayne McNitus sighs. It doesn't fix anything. Nothing ever does. I should have taken that job at... You would have hated that job at Clovis. Dr. Shimp says, we both know you're happier here. Dwayne McNitus stands stunned by this courtesy. And then they both pretend to ignore each other. The four of them set up the interface. Their stored copies wake up and prepare for the journey so that as they work, they find themselves surrounded by the mental phantasms of themselves. 227 Mayas and Chiomas knocking helmets and smiling. 227 Dr. Shims making cynical bets with each other about how long they'll last. 227 Dwayne McKnight is blowing goodbye kisses to the sweet golden sun. Two hundred and twenty seven of them shaking hands, smiling, making ready to explore. I think this is the longest card in the entire (laughs) memoir. And I think also that I have read it three times now. It's
0: such a good card. (laughs) It's great. So just real quick again, because I get asked this a lot. The uh, word enthenogenic is a tie into entheogen, eth- which is a chemical substance that is used in religious, shamanic, or spiritual contexts that induces psychological or physiological changes. So just to get that out of the way real fast, and it's like every time we talk about the vex, that word gets dropped in, and so I know we've had to explain that a couple of different times. So.
3: Yeah, I'm just glad you explained it so we were sure you know well, what
0: it was. you know, I just have to make sure that I understand it. <laughs> what I really want to focus on is the uh, Merchant and Alchemist gate. But I'll let you guys go yeah, first no. because I can totally talk about that for a long time.
4: <laughs> well, I'm ha- I'm happy to talk about that. I think uh, I, <laughs> I tried to get a copy of this book for a really long time. Um but it's like it was $120 on Amazon or something.
0: Oh, I can totally get uh, you a free copy. I have a copy saved yeah. on my okay. drive. It's That would be Yeah, it's it's really it's it's a very short read. I think if I remember right, it's like maybe 15 or 20 pages. It's not a very long read at all. And it's really it's just talking about the, you know, what kind of what Maya is talking about the the self-preservation of the time. And it's just it's basically the description of a fixed timeline in which everything that has happened has happened and everything that is going on in the present has already been influenced by the past or the future to make the present. And so like and you know I don't want to I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't had a chance to read it. <laughs> Because it really is a very good short story. Um and so and like I, I know we have given out we've given out the link a couple times in the chat. So um I will I will post you know what? I will post a link. I'll probably get in trouble for posting a link on our website. If you if if we have people who are interested in it, just shoot me a message in chat and I'll get them a link because I don't want to get our website taken down for file sharing <laughs> or nonsense. But um I do have I do have a digital copy that we I found a digital copy for free on Google. So it was able to to skim it real quick before it, awesome. I don't even know if it's still available. So but yeah, it's it's an excellent read and it's kind of um it's kind of misleading on the title. Uh it does deal the main character is a merchant and the primary character that he interacts with claims to be an alchemist, but it has nothing to do with alchemy. So I know a lot of people have, that I've talked to is like, that was one of the things they they were like, (laughs) it doesn't have anything to do. I was like, yeah, I know. But like I said, it's a really good short story and it deals with again. So it just goes back. It deals with the, the self containment of timelines and how you can't really disrupt time because you know, with a, with a dynamic time model, if you change the past, it would create a temporal paradox, which could potentially implode everything. And so, a fixed timeline goes with the philosophy that everything that you're going to do has already been done. So it's you know it's kind of an it's the opposite of free will, as most people understand free will, in the sense that the uh, the events have already been. I I hesitate to say predestined, but they've already been calculated Mm. into the fold of the universe. So even if you can travel into the future and that's kind of where the nod to bringing something from the future back, um, in the story that is actually, there is a, a side character whose story he does, he goes into the future and he actually brings back, um, I can't remember if it was gold or if it was not like a an item, but he brings us back into the present from the future and then uses it to build an empire that then he uses to <laughs> see, like it's it's an eternal loop, so like he he builds yeah. this empire then when he when he gets to the age in the future, his younger self visits him and he gives his younger self the same thing that he gave and it's just this really cool kind of big picture look at you know even though we're not necessarily predestined to do specific tasks. Those tasks have already been predestined inside the fold of the temporal existence of the universe. So, but then I think in the next card, there's actually a nod to how this could potentially not be a complete examination of the timeline, but that that's always been the thing that sticks out the most. For me, on this card, there's a lot more. Like the fact that, you know, we use this to point that Chioma was actually the leader of the group, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the fun fact that they still have yet to give the War Mind a name, which is kind of driving me up a wall.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Well. That would be way too specific yeah that would yeah, be that would be way too easy
0: to give to to <laughs> to point out that this could not possibly be Rasputin. It might not even be Charlemagne So well, there yeah.
3: were a few of them
0: yeah, there were yeah. and well and I you know I we talked about this in the war Minds episode, but I keep going back to the my my theory that they're planetary, that you know they're just responsible for specific planets or planet spheres you know, like Charlemagne's obviously oh. the Mars. Rasputin tends to be Terra or Sol. And uh, I think I've seen a couple theories on the name for this war mind. You know, Athena is one that keeps popping up. Um, we had one. I can't. Oh, I can't remember who it was in chat. But they pointed out there was a there was a really interesting kind of twist theory where this war mind helps seed. The super good advice because of the oh. intelligence, and i oh, I can't remember who threw that out there, but it was because it had to do with its interaction with the vex mormont or vex mine core, and then the, also the vault of glass beans located on the the planet Venus. there was a confluence in which that could be why we don't know who it is, so mm. it was a it was an interesting spin foil theory but that all being said, was yeah, anyone who's
3: said? ever anyone who's ever set up a network would know that it kind of makes sense that
0: they would be planetary. I don't well, have to tell it just, you that. I mean, it, it. It just kind of make. I mean, I don't know. It, I kind of stemmed that off of the legends card where it says planetary war mines. It's like, and they said that, and it was kind of like, oh, that kind of makes sense that it would be planetary based, you know, for just allocation of assets and stuff. Not yeah, saying at yeah. all that that could be disproven in, in the blink of an eye, but I see.
3: <laughs> I see. It totally makes <laughs> sense now. <laughs> so, having said that, moving right along, where are we at?
0: Vex the last, five. The
4: last ghost fragment
0: for Vex. Uh, Good so
4: one. I'm. I'm reading this one, I guess. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Just clean my throat. Uh, so, yeah, this, this one's a really interesting one because, um, well, I'll just read it. and Then we can discuss it. So, Ghost Fragment Vex 5. Record Zero Chasm Zero. My love, I've opened this log as an apology. As a scientist, I believe in record keeping. I believe in protocols, peer review, and ethical conduct. I believe in the importance of disbelief. You know, let's run that one more time. <clears throat> What I'm doing here in Lhasa isn't science. It's unethical, secret, and shameful. And after what happened in Ishtar, dearest Kyoma, I know you'd be furious with me for getting involved. Forty years isn't far enough to forget a day like that. But I believe it's important. The least I can do is keep a few notes for you. Record Zero Chasm 1 Trial 1, Subject 1. It was an act of stupid loneliness. I used the device on myself because I... Silence for eight seconds. I missed you. We hadn't been apart for more than a year since we met. I'm not a very good wife, am I? You write me every week, even with all Hyperion's work and all Hyperion's distance keeping you from me, and I act like it's not enough. We built the device in mimicry of the Vex gateway systems from Ishtar. An observatory, yes, but I think of it as a mind ship capable of displacing its payload across space and time. The lab is cold and isolated. We are quarantined from the world physically and mentally. We can't send messages out. If we breach the Vex manifolds, even our words might transmit contagion. One night last month, I missed you, and so I... I thought I could look inside the device and find one of the other Kiyomas. I thought I could call out to one of the folks we sent out there to explore. I just wanted to send my love. Record Zero, Chasm Two. Zakarik Gilmanovich Bekterev. May he rest in peace. When our probes continued to fail, when my report remained our only positive finding, he volunteered to use the device. One minute of subjective experience inside. We took precautions, they worked. Bektorev's Bektarev ex- experience left no physical damage. After we extracted him, he said that he felt determined. I asked him what he meant, and he said that he meant it. He had been determined. He could feel all his choices set out before him like a railroad. Deviation was impossible. He died by suicide. I wonder if he was trying to make a point. Record Zero Chasm Three We've decided not to abort. It's insane, isn't it? There are pressures on us I can't tell you about until I see you again. The purpose of the system is intelligence, you see. It's stenciled right on the hull. S-X-I-S-R. Special asset. We would very much like to make it work reliably. Our supervisory war mind has devised a drug it says will protect and prepare us. I'm beginning to wonder if we were wrong about the merchant and the alchemist, or if that explanation of time was incomplete. Record zero chasm nine. Kind Lakva. He meditated before he went in. Nothing but deja vu and three seconds of screams. The screaming passed and he remembers nothing. The deja vu hasn't. He says it's getting better. He feels that we've had this conversation only ten times before, not a thousand. I've suggested that we attempt mind-forking. We need more sane people to work with. Please forgive me, my love. We are all growing superstitious. The behavior of the device is inconsistent, impossible to replicate. We turn to ritual behavior to appease it. Record Zero, Chasm 31. Rajesh. When he reached a displacement of eight, he told us he was dead. I believed him. He was dead. He spoke to us. It was true. Whatever he saw, it was his own future. He's fine afterwards. When I look into his eyes, I wonder what came back wearing his skin. But that thought is unscientific. We We speak of nothing but the device. We talk about it like a demigod. When I get out of here... I know the whole world will look like a fraying veil. I think it's clear that part of the problem is substrate. We need more than flesh and drug to survive this. Record Zero Chasm 52 I heard you, my love. I was at six, oscillating on the event axis, coordinated with a known manifold. I heard you. You were talking to me. Not me, but another me, another Maya Sundaresh. You said, my love, so many strange things have happened and it's been so long. We've come so far. Do you ever want to go home? And I said, not not me, but the other me. I said, my love, I'm always home. I'm resigning, my love. I'm done with this work and I'm done with being apart from you. I'll see you again soon. I can't take this journal out with me so I've left it for the others and asked them to continue the log. Maybe it'll become a tradition, the gospel of our little cult.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so a
3: cult, huh? Hmm. <laughs> that
0: sounds like someone we know.
3: Uh, that one as well is is very well written. Like, you can just... The longing is just kind of pouring out of Maya. As she yeah. does these little logs.
4: Very it's well great read, path. by the way. Oh, thank you very much. That yeah. was quite. Uh, it's it's a it's quite a long card. Um, yeah, but it's just. I think it's really fantastic. I mean, we, we, Forrest and I were having a bit of a debate before the um the the, the stream and kind of seeing like is is this. Was Maya working for the Ishtar Collective at this point?
0: Yeah, that's, you know, I was actually, I was actually just thinking that too. Um, um, well, she's actually,
3: she's actually um, back planet side at this mm, point. She's in Lhasa, yeah, Tibet. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I tend to think that because it seems like the ethics, they there's a difference here in the way they do business. It almost what seems business? like she's working. Yeah. <laughs> the business that she's in, it seems like she's gone over to the dark side.
4: Yeah. Working for Sisifus. It almost sounds like
3: <laughs> she had already stepped over to work for Clovis Bray. Yeah. But there's no that, – that's not
0: – you know, that's not <laughs> there's, uh, Yeah, there's not really a – I mean, I I do think I kind of got that feeling as well. Um, and then also the 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 comment about building a device in mimicry of the vex gateway, gateway systems.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think I, I she almost got approached. sorry. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I was going to say. I feel, it it almost feels like um, the fact that she's working on what was it? Um, Sxisr special asset. Right. It sounds and and the fact that there is a you know they brought a war mind in to kind of help them out at the ishtar collective but it sounds like a war mind is supervising this project so it's almost as though now she's working for like a defense contractor
0: right which is yeah which if she's back on earth that war mind which again they don't name slight (laughs) annoyance there but you know because it's just like just give us a name um if they're back on Earth, it would stand a reason that this this war mind, if it is not the same war mind, would be Rasputin. Yeah, I think we all know this is
3: Randy. It's the war mind from East Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: God,
3: <laughs> <It is. laughs> uh, he's got an old name. It can't be killed and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord.
0: Uh, um there was there was a really really fun uh i guess theory spit and foil possibly uh connection to Osiris here on record zero chasm two I'm not even going to try to pronounce the individual's name, so it's Zach we're gonna call him <laughs> Zach um <laughs> Oh Zachary? Zacharik. Zachary Gilmar Yeah, Zach. Oh, you, you Zach is it? his because name. No, Zach it. is his name. You know what? We're just going to go with Zach. Uh, Zacharik Gilmanovic. Oh, so the uh <laughs> this this actually came from Tank or King in our chat and it's it's really well put together actually. Um, which one am from? Tank or King? Tank or King. Take your pick. Uh the so the fun so fun thing is he ran this name through a couple different translators and he did a he actually did something that I kind of nodded to Justin on this one he did a numerology search but he also ran the name through just a, a basic translator for different cultures and Zacharic translates into Zechariah which is Hebrew for Yahweh remembers which basically is God remembers and so it translates into the first his first name is god remembers the also the other, the other interesting thing is the way in which he kind of talks in that he was determined there's the the nod to suicide which is kind of a kind of an almost hint to a Thantanaut like uh existence and that he he said that he meant it, that he had been determined, that he could feel all his choices set out before him like a railroad. Deviation was impossible. The fun the fun fact is when you actually go into the numerology, and his name translates into the number six, which, you know, it's like, okay, that's that's nice. But if you actually look at the definition of the number six, it's representative responsibility, protection, nurturing, community, balance, and sympathy. And there's a, there's a bit more that I'm trying to pull up real fast. And this number is associated with being open and honest, i.e. they don't really have patience for obfuscation, while also running the risk of sacrificing yourself or loved ones for the welfare of others. Or, you know, not not worried about trying to figure out something to the cost of maybe ignoring the laws or the the ruling of a leader because the understanding of a darkness would be better than the protection of a city and let me let me pull up this there's a there's a lot more and it says oh so there's a positive side which is the the qualities which makes the finest and most concerned parent and one most often deeply involved in domestic activities, which is like, okay, sure. That's, that's nice. But there, there go, it goes a little bit further and says that you would, it, it would individuals with this number six, which is kind of where all of these weird connections kind of start coming from is that you're appreciated for your ability to handle responsibility. Um, Home and family are likely to be a strong focus, which again goes back to the understanding bit from Osiris. And there is always a huge capacity for responsibility. Um, the individual is always there and ready to assume more than the share of whatever responsibility load they've been given. So they're always looking to take on more than what is you know, allocated to them, kind of like being ready to take on the speaker's position. So and then, and then right right off the bat, there's kind of a a kind of a thematic tie-in to a lot of the characteristics of Osiris. And then Tank kind of pointed out that the connection with the suicide aspect was also kind of indicative of, you know, the Concordat's um, accusation of the ineptness or the uh, the failed experiment. He would be a failed experiment if he went into a vexed mind or well, a project that was made in replication of a vexed mind and then committed suicide. He would mm-hmm. have he yeah, would have stood he was sort of a failed experiment so there's there's a and there's like a ton more on numerology but i I feel odd reading numerology quotes because it's like I'm not really big on numerology, but it really is kind of eerie some of the connections but that it, it makes it feels so good, doesn't no, it no it just it doesn't it doesn't it really <laughs> really doesn't at all it, it so oh. but yeah, and so there was there is that, and I really actually couldn't find too many holes. In it. I mean, like obviously it could just be a, you know, us making connections out of the blue, but I was like, I gotta give this a nod. Cause I think it was a really well thought out for tanker Kings on tanker Kings side. And it, it, the, the really cool thing was the translation of the name. I thought that was kind of an interesting aspect of it. So
3: yeah, tank, Way to go! Getting blue to read that was a thing because we all know that this type of stuff makes his light itch.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) God, you're every chance he gets. That's gonna be a chance he gets.
3: It's gonna be a thing. Just just give it time (laughs) to germinate.
0: Um, Um, Do you want (laughs) to? Do you want to talk real quick about the Sisyphus project? Since yeah, kind of seems to tie into it. What did you Well, do I like? was
3: gonna say we've got two more Grimar cards if you wanted to get them done real quick. Two. We've, we we've got a hunter we've got a hunter cloak and the warlock
0: item. Oh, yes. Well let's let's touch you know, I'm not even gonna Okay. Which one do you wanna go what hey, Forrest, which one do you want to do first?
5: Yeah. Um I guess I'll read The Hunter Cloak.
0: Yes, that is the Good correct choice.
3: answer. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, want to start the, the
5: Ishtar, class anymore. <laughs> the Ishtar Dilemma. Never did answer Sundarush's question, now did we?
3: No, yeah, we and, didn't. And we had this, this talk when we did the Stranger podcast, but... Um, I think we all seemed to, to come to the agreement that the question was what could you do if you could go back in time uh when they're going on their little picnic and I think the the answer to everything everyone came up with was not a whole lot. That time was happening no matter what happened.
0: Well, and I think it nods to the whole the whole um debate on are we you know the one that we constantly have in chat is are we in a fixed timeline or are we in a dynamic timeline what type of time frame you know what type of timeline do we operate on and you know the, the nod with merchant and the alchemist gate makes it very to me it makes it seem like it's a fixed timeline but then with vex 5 like like what we were talking about with Vex Five, it kind of, kind of also hints that maybe it's not just fixed. Maybe it's a, a combination. Uh, Almost like a circle. <sighs> <sighs> no.
3: That, whoa, 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 whoa! We're doing no on the. Well, I mean, okay, now? so
0: okay, so real quick, there's there's predominantly three theories of time travel, right? Just real fast, the fixed timeline which is, you know, your uh, uh, 12 monkeys, uh, the Terminator. You know, it's it's like everything. Like, well, we, we've already kind of touched on it. Everything is happening and everything has happened and it will continue to happen the way it has happened to allow for the timeline to stay the same, right?
3: But there's there's one thing you left out from that statement.
0: What? It will happen again. Right. No, no, no. There's 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 a potential for cyclical uh well
3: and they nature. they actually mention it.
0: Right. And I would argue that, you know, like what we talked to uh when when was it that we talked about the time travel in which I think it was light Every and darkness. Week. No, I know that's true. I think it was the light and darkness episode where I kind of pointed out that there's a way to the anagogical reading of things where you read it as a repetitive of themes, not events in time, I kind of ascribe more to that. Right? So whereas like yeah. you know, you don't uh you don't have uh let's well let's just use real real history. The Holocaust. We're not saying that the Holocaust is gonna happen again, thank you know, whatever divine being you you believe in. Um, but the theme that war will constantly happen is kind of a repetitive theme. And, even you know, war is a terrible thing and it will constantly happen is kind of a, it's a cynical outlook, but it's also kind of a more of a, that repetitive theme will continue to occur. So the exact event won't reoccur, but the themed of that event will reoccur, Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? So that I mean, so a fixed timeline doesn't doesn't dissuade or doesn't dismiss the cyclical nature. Now a dynamic timeline, which is the second theory, dynamic timelines are a pain because they always once you introduce time travel into a dynamic model, you you are guaranteed to have what's called a temporal paradox, and it just blows things up. Or actually, well, it implodes uh, theoretically. Um, this is common, I think. It, most, most of us would recognize this from the Back to the Future movies. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of a dynamic timeline. And then, Time to yeah. And then you have Multiverse, which is kind of a weird combination of the two.
3: And it's actually the most the most likely of all of them if well, time travels well if time travels possible
0: uh, my head hurts so, uh, from this conversation
4: <laughs> what i think's really interesting is that the you know that with the exo stranger cards mm-hmm. i know we could go off on a massive tangent here <laughs> we've already gone off on a massive tangent but, you know the the exo stranger seems to be so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna make a jump here this is I'm not saying this is definitely what happened what, what is happening but you know um the exo stranger 2 card almost sounds like you know it starts with right when this time wrong where right um which which immediately implies that she is um you know traveling through time in some capacity but then a lot of the things that she says and a lot of the th- the things that are mentioned in the other Exo Stranger cards almost imply that she is traveling between timelines rather than traveling forwards and backwards along a single timeline.
0: Right, I would agree with that. And I think that if you combine that with the Vex Five, you could almost have a combination of a fixed time and a multiverse time.
4: Yes, and I think... You know, I, I I wouldn't like to comment on whether or not that was the case in our universe. Right. But I think in the Destiny universe, that is a poss- I, I, I would this isn't something that I would like say, yeah, this is definitely what's happening. Um but I think it's a it's a possibility that there could be room for both. Right. It could be multiple multiple timelines diverging yeah. but but <laughs> each one of those timelines is self consistent.
0: Or well, yes and also you i mean yes but you also if you pull back and look at it as a giant picture self-containing and self-consistent within each of those timelines could also equate with all of them being the same like they could also all be consistent with one another right you know uh i think a lot of times of the um the, the The Greek myth of the fates you know they're weaving in and out with the thread of time, the thread of the fates and they're making that they're making a um, I always blank on what i 'm talking about on this but they're they're making it on the loom and they're making the the weaving of all the stories of everything and each of those timelines could be its own individual thread that's being woven into this this giant Mm-hmm. you know part or, or your article of it's a giant sweater okay we're just gonna <laughs> go with that because i'm it's I'm, almost
3: like the the timelines are forking off mm-hmm. right right right
4: and that is an, an element i don't know if that is the i get confused with the different uh theories but but one of the one of the the multiverse theories is that
0: every time yes
4: every there's time a decision that's made
0: it creates a, a new f- multiverse a, exactly yeah but the the downside to a multiverse theory like a pure multiverse theory is that in that theory you can never return to your original timeline because by making a decision that fragmented the timeline into a new timeline you in order for the original timeline to stay, to stay self-consistent you cannot be reintroduced to it if that makes sense so like it's a weird <laughs> Parad, uh, yeah, it, paradox. paradox. It, it,
4: it does make sense. I, I don't I, I, maybe we need we need a chalkboard. I think that's the that's yeah, what we need. Yeah. And some yarn. Or, some, yeah. or his yeah, when we definitely. need
3: him. <laughs> <laughs> but we've left out my favorite one. Oh here we go. It's no, no. Do you, so much of the Vex uh flavor text and the quotes that are in some of the Vex stuff and the Vault of Glass stuff. Refers to things having had happened, happening, and the possibility that they'll happen again. And there is a another time travel model that's called the cyclic time travel model. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not time travel theory; it's just a time model, and it's the idea that time is a circle, and uh, that you know everything that's happening right now happened before and. If you go far enough around the circle, it'll happen again, and destiny of doing things over and over and over again. <laughs> but um, a lot of the Vault of glass quotes really make me think that this is a this is a valid a valid model, at least in game. Um, a lot of the prated stuff as well makes me think that, that just picture a record and each of the grooves in the record is a timeline. And when Rasputin's talking to the stranger and he says, I see you move. I see you move back and forth. I see you move across. He's literally seeing the tr- the stranger move on timelines and jump them from one to the other. Hmm. I don't know. That's That's... My crazy theory, all and right. I think also that at the center, at the center is Atheon. But no, that's at different. At the center podcasts. is the Dark
0: Tower. Get it right.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> at the center is it, is a hamster losing no, his mind. No, but at no. the center <laughs> is
0: a rose and a dark tower. Have you
3: Have you guys ever we read know this? To there's, be true. There's a book <laughs> by uh, It's It's an outline that was written by Robert Heinlein. But they found it after he died, and they got Spider Robinson to, to write the novel. And it's called Variable Star. And if you haven't read it and you love time travel, it is an amazing book. Um, but they have what's called a relativistic drive, and no one knows how it works. It just makes uh, superluminal travel possible. And when they ask one of the people who pilot this thing, how it works he he gives the best explanation to anything ever he says well we take a cat and we butter a piece of toast we strap the toast <laughs> we strap the toast to the cat's back butter up and then we throw the cat in the air since the butter must land butter down and the cat <laughs> must land on its feet the array spins indefinitely producing <laughs> quantum <laughs> propulsion <laughs> This is a direct quote. <laughs> so if you have not read that book and you love time travel and science type stuff, just check it out. That's <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> what, what was the name of the book again? It's called Variable Star. And it is – I don't know if you just search the author. It's probably going to come up Spider Robinson. But it's from the Heinlein estate. It's one of his outlines he wrote for a, for a novel that just never got made cool yeah but that's what i picture in the middle in the vault of glass is just a cat with a piece (laughs) of toast on his back just doing some salts (laughs) okay Um, i've well and i've well and truly screwed this up
0: (laughs) well just just roll you know real quick um we did we did kind of mention at the beginning we were kind of going to talk about what did Winter want out of the Ishtar Collective and did we did did you guys want to give any nods to what your thoughts were on that cuz I know that was kind of a a day or two's worth of chat if I remember right. I was I was in and out of chat as many of you probably know. I was out of internet connection for the majority of the past week. So I've been kind of playing catch up on those. So.
3: So I think they wanted the Ishtar uh, research and data because it's quite clear that the Ishtar scientists stymied the Vex in this one instance. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they were able to, to kind of use the use the war mind to get around the VEX simulation, and it's probably the only case we have documented of the VEX methods being kind of stopped in their tracks. And also, I mean, it was just—I I just think it was a it was a great source of information for them on the VEX. It's it's a big recon mission, in my in my estimation.
0: Because I know, I think it was Coed made the point that they just probably saw it as an opportunity for Intel and Salvage, Um, because I think he, yeah, he he noted in chat that the servitors began siphoning the energy to create Ether almost immediately. Oh, yeah, he just threw that in chat on the... (laughs) the Twitch chat too. But yeah, um, because like as soon as we enter the Academy or the, the Academy, you know, we have the bones that everyone loves pointing out. We don't know who they are. And then there's the famous welcome Dr. Shim, which is, you know, makes a lot of people question who the identity or at least questioned at the beginning who the identity of our guardian was um, that whole fun conversation. Um, we know that no one had been to the Academy there for a pretty long time. Um, and then, like, they just jump at the opportunity to see what's inside of it. And they follow us in. So.
5: So on the House of Winter Grimoire card,
0: mm-hmm.
5: um, it says their interests there seem to dire- seem directed at the ruins of the Academy along the Shattered Coast. But there are concerns that their focus may in actuality be directed elsewhere toward the ominous citadel that rises like a warning above the waking
0: ruins right and i think isn't then it also says that it's hurled they've hurled their assets into pillaging the ruins hunting for some advantage whether from the golden age or forgotten times beyond
5: yeah so i mean i'm i might Lesson in their interest into the in the academy is just trying to get more information about the vex because they're obviously there on Venus and they have right. to fight the vex too. It's not right. like they're friends with the vex, they just fight us
0: so it's just oh <laughs> yep, there goes Coed in the chat. um they're survivors, not scientists. they're just trying to find a way to get a one up on the people that they're fighting
5: yeah, nice. that would be my guess, yeah.
4: I mean and but at the same time even though they might not be uh I mean I, I agree 100% you know they are survivors um but I also think they are you know extremely capable as we see in House of Wolves when um Skolas is able to use Vex technology uh far better than than humanity has ever right. been able to utilize it
0: No and that's that's true yeah he he definitely seems to be able to hijack the ability to jump through time and pull pull things through time quicker yeah. than humanity was.
3: Yeah, he still couldn't figure out how to not stand in the middle and get galahorned though. <laughs> 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 Have you run that thing lately? Yeah. <laughs> it's like bam, 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 gone. <laughs> I mean, well, you
5: know, um if you think about the the lore behind the Fallen Variks talks a lot about um, what like their golden age and and what the Fallen were before um, the Traveler abandoned them um, when they were the Mm Eliksni and so it's possible that the House of Winter knows that humanity all also had a golden age like they did and they, that's the best place to get good gear, you know, because they don't have good gear anymore. So let's go to humanity and take their good gear.
0: That's a good point, actually. That is a very good point because we all know, we know that the, the elixir or the fallen are trying to reclaim the great machine and the the prestige of their golden age, you know, albeit in a very violent and very dark way. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's a really good point. So any other, any other thoughts on the, the winter?
3: No, I think that pretty much, I think it's, there's not much, uh,
0: well, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of it isn't very well.
3: Well, no yeah, not that there's not much there, but I, I just don't think there's much more there than than most people will. Very true. Do we They're just looking oh. for just looking for information and you know anything they can salvage from it because that's where the best stuff was.
0: And then, did we want to touch on the Sisyphus project at all? Yes, please do. Please, please. Okay, so... So, No, go for it. No, I
3: stole Greek mythology for you on this one, buddy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just real quick. Sisyphus, not Sisyphus. Sisyphus. Because it makes him sound effeminate. Uh, Sisyphus was the king of Ephira, now known as Corinth. He was punished for his self-aggrandizing craftiness. Wow. (laughs) This one's hitting home. Uh, (laughs) And deceitfulness... (laughs) By being forced to roll an immense boulder up a hill, only to watch it roll back down, repeating this action for eternity. And just in case you're new to chat or live chat of the stream, this blue identifies with this character. Oh, my gosh. Very heavily. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and just so you know, I am not deceitful Will- at all. I don't know what you're talking. No, about, I'm just so.
3: saying Willie and I are your boulder. But Please. <laughs> Proceed. (laughs) Proceed. (laughs) But yeah, um, everyone, I mean, at least everyone I speak with seems to be of the same opinion that uh, Sisyphus is embodied in game and, well, not in game, in lore and destiny by uh, Mr. Clovis Spray. Can we all kind of? at least there's a, a a parallel there right
0: well and if you if you look into the story of Sisyphus you know he, he was the founder and the first king of Phiria um he also was very very heavily a promoter of navigation and commerce but was also known for being avaricious and deceitful i mean he would he was known to kill travelers and guests um which was which was part of the reason why he was he got in trouble with the gods is not only did he kill the travelers and guests while they were taking their rest in his home, he took pleasure in those because he took he or he took pleasure in killing those because it maintained you know this this iron fist rule that he held over his kingdom. Um, and he also, (laughs) he also was renowned for his attempts, a number, numerous attempts to kill his own brother, uh, who they, they hated each other. And, um, like it, it got like, this is like for, even for Greek mythology, this character was pretty, pretty dark, um. And then, like the level of craftiness that he displayed in the myth, then the myths, depending depending on the myth that you read, there's a number of different ways. But he was known to trick his way out of the underworld a number of times um, before Hades finally just got tired of him and was like, "Nope, you're going to be doing this." And basically, the deal was: as soon as you get the boulder to the top of the hill, you can leave. But he also, <laughs> Hades, tricked him ultimately. Because every time he nearly gets to the top the uh depending on the myth, either the boulder becomes immaterial or he becomes immaterial, and the boulder slips or the boulder slips and falls back to the beginning and um it was basically not only was the fact of that it was an impossible task, it was also meant to be the maddening nature of the punishment was also meant as a fool fool and very, in their minds, just punishment for his hubris. So also the artifact looks like a minion before anybody questions.
3: Oh, it's the minion ring. It's the minion ring. It is totally (laughs) the
0: minion ring. And it's like one of the few artifacts that makes me want to play a Warcraft or Warcraft warlock because I want a minion ring. (laughs) So do with that what you will. I, st- I
3: think Sisyphus sounds a little bit like a butthole. Yeah, he, but that's just me. He, he doesn't, doesn't sound like an <laughs> up and up character. I don't think I like him. He's not in my fire team. I don't He's choose not you. In
0: my fire team.
3: <laughs> if he was a Pokemon, he would just stay in the wild. I wouldn't choose him at all.
0: <laughs> but I mean the the other the other kind of not. <laughs> you would not choose him. I will not choose him. Um, the other nod is how Bray kind of has a. Um, it, there's almost a hint for his chase of immortality, and there's a little bit of a nod. I know the chat kind of talked about the nod of how this project could have been actually the beginnings of the EXO project because uh, Clovis was trying to find a way to become immortal because he didn't want to die. So. And then, then that's self that, And then that ties into the connection with Chioma and Hyperion, whereas where a lot of people kind of are starting to talk about how the Deepstone Crypt, if it is an actual physical server farm, which we kind of talked about in the EXO episode, but if the Deepstone Crypt is a server farm, it could be actually housed on Hyperion, which is a moon of Saturn. Um and the it's it's known for being a very icy and very cold and very apparently it's very sponge-like no one knows why but oh i don't i don't know i was looking at, i was looking at it. it's it's known as saturn 7 and it's distinguished by an, an irregular shape a chaotic rotation and apparently an unexplained sponge-like appearance so so do that with what you will with that useless.
3: And also was wasn't Hyperion the name of the uh one of the corporations in like the Borderlands series? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was that that name just stuck out to me <laughs> for some reason. So,
0: I think that's I think that's everything from chat. Yeah, I think we got it. I
3: think Oh, um the Future War Cult Oh yes. The future yeah. war cold so, and the collective. You thought you were out of here, didn't yeah. you? I thought I, I thought I was done. Nope, nope, fail. You dirty birdie. <laughs> um so <laughs> just real quick, um there's a couple of, of little little hints that Maya gives, and I think it's in the Ghost Fragment Vex four card, and I won't I won't rattle on too long. Um Five. but uh she she actually she actually uh, refers to her little group of scientists working on this the uh, Sixer Project as her little cult. And uh, if you go, there is another really good website, not quite as good as Ishtar Collective, <laughs> but still on point for one specific thing. There's a website called Destinypedia. And uh, they're really good at... At, well, I don't want to say they're only really good at one thing. They're really good at a lot. But the thing that I specifically use them for are destiny, destiny quotes. Um, because if you just type in any character, um, they will pop up and you can see every quote that the – well, any NPC rather. Um, they'll pop up with everything they've ever said in game, which is pretty awesome in my book. And I'm searching old Lakshmi. She makes several several references to a she. Um now there's a lot of uh a lot of speculation here, but I actually believe I, I've got a crazy, crazy spinful theory <laughs> that and yeah, yeah, it's shocking, but that Lakshmi is off is actually a fork embodiment of Chioma and the stranger is actually a fork embodiment of Maya and they're constantly trying to find one another. But that's just me because I'm crazy and I'm trying to find the quote.
0: And just real right quick, now. real quick, it's Vex 5. <laughs> it's the very end of Vex 5. Okay, cool. See, I so, you find it.
4: <laughs> so one thing that we... Um we discovered when we were researching. So we were, we were kind of discussing, you know, like like um, that. So there is a, an area of Venus called Ishtar Terra, um, which presumably the Ishtar Collective is named after, and you know the Ishtar Sink was we imagine is named after uh, Ishtar Terra. And um, what we found, something that I found that that I thought was really interesting, is that there is an area of Ishtar Terra called Lakshmi Plenum. Wow. Which I just thought was, like, I, 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 you know, I've done a lot of research at the Ishtar, you know, related law, um, and I, I had never noticed that before. So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting.
3: Yeah, and someone's going to have to help me out here, but Lakshmi, the name Lakshmi, it's actually an Indian goddess. Yes. Um, yes.
0: Hindu, and I'm trying to remember Hindu, Hindu.
3: Hindu goddess, sorry, excuse me. And uh <laughs> what was she the goddess of Wealth, fortune, and prosperity for both wow, material that does not and seem, spiritual. That does not seem to hold true for her character in game, but okay. Um
0: well <laughs> She uh, She it kinda does. I mean it not not necessarily. Those those were the like primary, I guess, spheres of her mm. godhood. Um, she was also known for being like an extremely strong figure. And I'm trying to find, cause I remember reading, I remember reading into this and being like, that's really odd. And then like you read into it a little bit further and it was kind of like, I, you can kind of see a connection there. Um, but the other the other interesting connection too is with Ishtar, which you want to talk about a weird naming.
3: Oh yeah, she's like love, sex, and fertility, or yeah, something like that. Yeah.
0: Really, it was like is a Mesopotamian, um, which is you know Akkadian, Assyrian, yeah. and Babylonian goddess yeah. of fertility, love, war, and sex. Yeah, have fun with that one. She so, was the Miley Cyrus of her time.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> the Ishtar the Destiny Ishtar Collective and the Ishtar region Ishtar Sink and stuff is named for Ishtar Terra is an actual area of Venus in real life that scientists have named so oh,
3: wow yeah Bungie yeah. probably
5: took that name from that not because not from the right right Ishtar, right I yeah
3: it was yeah. yeah but Is Ishtar, uh, correct me, is it not the actual embodiment of Venus? The planet, not the... I I thought I saw something on that.
5: Yes. Well, Ishtar is represented by the planet Venus. Yes. Ishtar, the goddess, is the same role as in Mesopotamian mythology as Mm -hmm. the goddess Venus is. In Roman mythology, yeah, right. So they're kind of like the similar roles.
3: Okay. See, and, and and whoever does your guys uh like web placement or however you put it, like where it's it's amazing because I'm trying to just search Ishtar and I can't do it. It's just doing Ishtar Collective and sending me your website <laughs> every single that's time. That's because you
5: probably go to it a lot.
3: Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but uh, Lakshmi actually says, um, and if you stand by her long enough, you'll hear her say, uh, let me see. So I can tell by the way you stare at me, you've seen her, haven't you? Now, there's a very important her to Lakshmi. And some people say it's Maya. Some people say it's the stranger. I happen to think it's both because they're the same person. But that's just me. Thoughts? I think it. it,
4: it, I think it's a good. I I would love to believe that um, the exo stranger is Maya Sundaresh, but I think at the moment we just we just don't have enough. We don't have enough evidence yet. Um, People. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh.
3: Well, you are a very respected source of grimoire, so I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, but I think that's literally it. I think that's it. That's all I had.
0: Yeah, I really actually i th- I think we I think we got I think we covered most of what was discussed in the week.
4: Yeah, I think so. Just looking through to see if. Did, did did we have any other things that we wanted to talk about for us? Like, I think we've covered everything.
5: No, I think that's pretty much it. We don't have much information about anything else. I mean, that's pretty much all the information we've got.
3: <laughs> yeah. Welcome yeah. to our world. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, cool.
0: So, all right. Well, with all that being said, um, we move to just we do normally what we do is we just do some quick shout outs. Um and I'll let Baxter did you have any any big shout outs you wanted to
4: Oh oh I'm I'm unprepared. Uh <laughs> I don't know. I mean just you know, shout out to all of the people that have helped with the H-Talk collective. Um so especially um normal Norman and Holy heck, who are the two other people who help quite a lot with uh with keeping the Ishtar collective up and running um the the destiny ghost story guys are constantly you know they they're the really really good guys always yeah. always kind of uh helping out stuff and um yeah and and i i I would like to say as well we're going to be i don't know if anybody saw but we posted a trailer at the weekend for something that we will be announcing. Tomorrow, uh, today for me because it's now Friday for me. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll be announcing something pretty soon. So keep an eye out on Twitter and on the the website itself for, for that.
0: Man, teasers are just flying. You, you, and uh, <laughs> Lazy Summer is just you. You're killing me with the tweet, the teasers. <laughs> 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 all right, so Forrest, how about how about yourself? You got any?
5: Um, well, I I mean, I'll thank Baxter for pulling me in the, letting me take <laughs> over his website, <laughs> and um, I've had a lot of fun doing that. And um, I'll say hi to my clan, who are probably all asleep right now, but they'll listen to it eventually. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: All right. (laughs) And just real quick, um, just, you know, give you guys a big thank you. I'm sure Justin will go on for a little bit about that. And then, yeah, you know, just uh, thanks for everybody who kept the chat going while I was, I was away on (laughs) vacation. I was teaching a three-year-old how to ride a horse. So that was a, that was an interesting, interesting couple of days. Uh yeah, he, he had an absolute blast. So but I came back and I was like, Oh, oh, there's a lot of information yeah. to get caught up on. <laughs> I kind of felt like Justin yeah. there for a while.
3: Yeah, nine hundred and ninety nine and then a plus sign. <laughs> Notifications. Yeah, multiple days came back to that. So yeah. <laughs> uh you missed you left out the most fun part of your trip there, buddy. But oh, yeah, pretty,
0: pretty yeah. Pretty well, cool. and I also got to pester Justin for, how long was that, an hour or two? It,
3: it was an hour. Yeah, me and Blue actually got to hang out in real life, so that was pretty cool. Oh, we cool.
0: Prove, we proved uh, to
3: each other that we do actually exist apart from it, the And internet. we aren't just forks. We're <laughs> not just forks in a in a VEX simulation, so that's, that's good. <laughs> oh, man. So, my shout-outs. Uh, big shout-out last week for Mesa Sean for being an awesome guest. Anytime you want to be back on, just we are at your disposal, sir. And also to Forrest and Baxter this week for um, really, really helped drive this this discussion about the Ishtar Collective. It's literally, it's an honor to have you guys on. I, I remember when we first started this thing, uh, it was really early on. And uh, it was maybe our second or third episode. And I was like, I have this really bad habit of just, like, shooting for the moon, trying to get people to be on the show. And I didn't know any other way than to uh, than to contact y'all. But you all. But you had, like, a, a post. It was something about if you want to help out, uh, mm-hmm. just email me here. And I emailed you. I was like, yeah, I, I don't have time to help out, but would you like to be on my podcast? And, uh, <laughs> and I just remember ignored. thinking – yeah, no, no. I mean, I just remember thinking, dude, if we ever get these guys on the on the show, it'll just be awesome. So when Blue told me you were going to be on, I was especially excited. So uh, thanks a lot, and, and not just for being on the show, but thanks for thanks for everything you do to keep the lore community <laughs> at at large. It it's a. I mean, honestly, you should really be proud about where the lore community is for Destiny because you've had a lot to do with it, and I. I don't say that lightly.
4: <laughs> well, thank that was that was overwhelming praise. Thank <laughs> you very. <much. laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's taken us so long to, to <laughs> appear on the show as well. I know you asked a, a while ago, um, okay. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm really. Thank you so much for inviting us on. I, I, I it's difficult, as you guys are aware. You know, I, I haven't mentioned this on, on the. Uh, on the uh, on the, the stream yet, yeah, but but I'm I'm in the UK, well UK and Ireland, and um, so it's like it's it's a four four a.m. start Ugh. for me, so right. it's wow. it's yeah. I kind of I, I mentioned in the in you know we have a little Slack channel for the for, for coordinating work on the Ishtar Collective, and I, I kind of said you know should should we should we go on the show and and the guys like yeah yeah we should really do it. So I say okay okay I'll I'll just I'll get up early. It'll be fine. And and thank you so much. It's it's been a really fantastic uh, experience, and it's it's great to talk to to people who are passionate about about destiny Law. Or- well,
3: great. Anytime you guys have anything that you want to get off your chest, just <laughs> come right over here. We'll we'll make it happen. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. Um, and also, just real quick, uh, a big shout out to the live chat this week. Great, great stuff. And also to the lore band for for filling up my notifications as efficiently as anyone could. So great job, guys. And also to my clan, DoD Shadow White crew. I, I'm very prone to feelings, Baxter and, and Forrest. For, uh, you, you have been
0: post-warned post at this This part. is Yeah,
3: This I, I, I get feelings when I do my shout-outs. It's okay. I'm not a robot, Blue. It's okay. <laughs> God. All right, oh. and that All does right. it for me. Hail pan! Oh geez. Hail jeez! Hail
0: pan! Don't <laughs> encourage it. Only you can stop the myth of pan.
3: No, no, <clears throat> anyone, anyone knows that you stop a fire by lighting a bigger <laughs> fire. Oh, <God. laughs> oh, at okay. least, at least, I saw that in a movie once. So oh, that's what boy. I'm doing.
0: So- so with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to all those over in the chat for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again to Baxter and Forrest for chatting with us tonight. We, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and hope to get you back on here if we can. Please be sure to email us all at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback, questions, or topics that you'd like to see us tackle in the new YouTube videos that we're in the process of putting together, the Lore 101 series and Justin's spinfoil corner. We do try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central Time. But if we do have any variations, we always make to make we always try to make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account, which is just at focusfirechat. So Until next time, the lore band marches on.